I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This episode of Base Layer is brought to you by Nexo. Nexo is instant and efficient, just like the SAD. They offer a complete digital asset banking service featuring savings accounts with up to 12% interest, digital asset credit for just 5.9% APR, in exchange with 75 digital asset and fiat pairs and top prices, and loads more all wrapped up for you in a single Nexo wallet. Try it now at nexo.io, that's N-E-X-O.io, or search for the Nexo wallet app on Google Play or in the App Store. There's nearly 60 billion in the DeFi ecosystem today. The platforms are incredible, but there's still one major issue, fees. That's why I'm glad to partner with Paraswap. They've quickly become the connective tissue between various DeFi apps, including DEXs and other DeFi services like Compound and Aave. The new algorithm brings your gas cost down by 30%. If you want to access DeFi platforms with the cheapest fee possible, I highly recommend Paraswap. This is David, and this is your new episode of Base Layer. I have Colin Evren, the ecosystem lead at Protocol Labs with me today. Ed, Colin, how are you? Excellent. Thanks for having me on. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Well, thank you for that. And I am a fan of everything that has gone on at Protocol Labs for the last eight, almost nine years now. Yes, people, eight or nine years. And we're going to talk about that. For those that are not familiar with Protocol Labs, they are probably more familiar with one of your leading projects, which is Filecoin. Uh, Many of those, especially institutional investors, have been a little bit more familiar with that because it has been a story out there for three or four years. And recently, it did just uh, become more public uh, to uh, those out there. So before we get into what you're doing at Protocol Labs, besides Filecoin and everything else, what we'd like to do is kind of roll it back for us a little bit. How did you get involved into this world of digital assets? How did you get involved with Protocol Labs? What was your inspiration for this? Right. So my my background is primarily on the business side of things. So I started my career off at McKinsey, consulting for big companies, primarily tech companies. I was an investor at Bain Capital in their private equity group. So we would, you know, acquire large companies and help them make technological improvements. I uh, did my MBA at Stanford and founded a company called Yard Club, which was a marketplace for underutilized industrial assets. Think like Airbnb for bulldozers. Uh, and we grew that for a number of years, ended up selling it to Caterpillar. Um, but I was primarily attracted to Juan's vision to upgrade the web, to make it faster, safer, more resilient to attack, and more open. A really good friend of mine named Ryan Zer uh, had been in uh, the decentralized space uh, you know, since the early Bitcoin days. And he and his firm at the time, Polychain Capital, were making a big investment in Filecoin. And he dragged me by the year 
and said, you need to meet one, what he's building and what Protocol Labs is building will be the future of the decentralized web. And I was so compelled by the mission that, um, you know, I hopped on board in 2017, played a number of roles and, and currently uh, helping grow the ecosystems of IPFS, Filecoin, LibP2P and others. Listen to that, people. McKinsey, Bain, not uh, not the typical. Well, actually, now it is becoming more of the typical as more people have crossed the chasm. So thankfully, over the last two and a half, almost three years of operating this show, I now know that there's many people out there that have been crossing the chasm into this world. So we always love to hear that. And it obviously just proves more that there's a reason and a rationale why people are doing what you're doing over the last few years. So let's get into protocol labs. Let's get into Filecoin, as I said. Around August of 2013, IPFS, and uh, if you could just you know detail what IPFS is for people, we've talked about it before in the show, but just maybe just very quickly discuss what that is. IPFS and Filecoin, new protocols to decentralize the web and cloud storage, were starting to develop as ideas and prototypes. And then in May of 2014, Juan, as you alluded to, uh, was part of Y Combinator's S14 program. Uh, and then in July, uh, initial IPFS and Filecoin papers were released. So this is roughly seven years ago. Why don't we get into all of this? What is IPFS? What is Filecoin? For those that, again, what I want you to do is take on, you know, put on your McKinsey and Bain hat for people who are just learning about Bitcoin, people who are just starting to understand what Ethereum is. What is IPFSS and what is Filecoin? And then we're going to talk about how it all works. What is the end goal here? What are these things being used for? But initially, like you were talking to someone who is just starting their journey, how would you describe both of those projects? Sure. So IPFS is a protocol for the decentralized web, and it essentially makes the web work peer-to-peer. So if you can think of it as an analogy to HTTP, which we use every day, every time you type something into your browser, you end up using the HTTP protocol. That's a location-based protocol. So when I request a file, I'm basically saying, hey, go to this specific location in Virginia and pull this file from a data center in a specific location. Um, And there are some flaws to that, right? Um, There are central point of failures. It's easy to be censored to just block an IP address. Um, And it's pretty inefficient. Uh, If your whole apartment building happens to be requesting the same YouTube video, they're all pulling the same file from the same location over and over again, kind of in an inefficient way. So what IPFS does is makes the web work peer-to-peer. It addresses every piece of content with what we call a content identifier or content by, uh, a content address. And it basically says, hey, rather than going to a specific location, just find me this piece of content wherever it might be. And so if you are in the same room with me and we're actually connected in an offline way, I could pull that file right from, from you as, as a fellow peer or across the street or within the same building. And so it makes for a much more resilient web that's much more interconnected, that doesn't rely on centralized data centers or points of failure, okay? So that's IPFS. You can kind of think of it like HTTP, um, but uh, but improved in many ways. Now, Filecoin, you can kind of relate to Amazon Web Services or, or S3, right? Um, and it's a network for decentralized storage. Uh, So basically what this means for data storage and cloud providers is that we move from a world where a small number of cloud storage companies control how your data is stored and priced to a completely global open market where anyone like yourself and myself 
or small to medium-sized businesses around the world can become data storage providers just by plugging into the Filecoin network and offering their services. So the, the way I, I like to explain it to, to my mom is like, you can think of a Filecoin as the Airbnb of storage. So instead of just having to pick from a handful of hotels, you now have this diverse set of options of different individuals and businesses that want to compete in unique ways to store your data with different prices, locations, retrieval speeds, various certifications, et cetera. And as an entire global network, those data storage providers on Filecoin can compete effectively with the scale, reliability, and price efficiency of the larger players. And if you are a user of Filecoin wanting to store your data, you now have choice. You can pick from thousands of providers instead of just the big three. Um, you pay much, much cheaper prices. Uh, Filecoin is currently priced at you know, less than 1% of, of some of the bigger cloud storage companies. You get full control over your data. Um, so you make your own decisions on what happens to the data that you store on the Filecoin network. And your storage is verifiable. So when someone is storing, says they're storing your data, they actually are, it can remove a lot of issues around data integrity or fake news and things like that. So that's a right. quick overview of, of, of those two protocols and happy to go through the timeline if that's helpful. Yeah, sure. We're going to hit into that as well, because I'd like to get towards the end of the show where we talk more about the roadmap. What should we expect? But not only what should we expect, but what have we seen over the last few years? Now that you've kind of laid out what IPFS and Filecoin are, really would love to talk about the what I always say is kind of under the hood. What's the mechanisms? How does this all work? And Filecoin, if I'm not mistaken, uses something different. You know, people are starting to use or get to be familiar with the the terminology proof of work, obviously. With Bitcoin, Ethereum is obviously moving to proof of stake, so people are now getting to understand what proof of stake means. But Filecoin uses something, I believe, called proof of space-time. If you could talk to us about what that is and how it differentiates, that would be great. Sure thing. So um, the consensus mechanism of Bitcoin is obviously proof of work. So you know each miner kind of does these complicated mathematical equations and, and burns a lot of energy doing so to, to get to a, a final consensus for the blockchain. That's a little bit different for Filecoin. Uh, basically, we use proof of replication and proof of space time, which basically says I transfer a piece of data to a data storage provider on the network, a cloud storage provider. And those proofs basically first make sure that that data is 100% replicated to their hard disks in, uh, with no errors. And two, every day um, that storage provider is quizzed uh, at random for one, a couple bytes you know, of data at random, and they have to prove that they're still holding that data on their, on their hard disk, right? And that's proof of space time. And so, um, so basically over time, uh, more and more data accumulates, but the network itself, not a centralized provider, but all of the, all of the kind of miners on the system can agree that this data is properly being stored on, on the various uh, hard disks that uh, it should be stored on. Now, the, uh, there's a few advantages to this. One, um, instead of just proving consensus, you're also storing people's data. So it kind of duels as a cloud storage provider, but also a blockchain, which is a really, really important innovation. And two, uh, because we're using hard disks as the fundamental unit of, of you know, scale, and, and proving um, it is far more energy efficient than some of the proof of work blockchains that exist today. Right. 
And I think you alluded to this, but I just want to make sure that this is a very specific point. The proofs that Filecoin used to uh, basically solve the issues of large-scale storage um, is basically there is a mechanism to make it impossible to falsify data, um, which increases the reward mechanism for miners. And I think as this relates to some of the other competitors in the space, and again, I use the word competitors, uh, because we are getting to a point of maturation in this asset class where there are competitors. Apple has competitors with Samsung. You know, you know, Google has competitors with other search mechanisms out there. And it is getting to a place where we're getting to be a little bit more competitive and you know, people are looking for market share. So it mm -hmm. seems that there are some mechanisms uh, in terms of falsifying data storage that make you a little bit different than, say, say SIA or storage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we tend to like focus on Filecoin's growth and 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 kind of technology versus uh, some of the others. But you know, I think the the scale that Filecoin has been able to achieve is is fairly remarkable relative to some of the other proving mechanisms that exist out there. Um, Filecoin in about six or seven months has gotten to six exabytes of storage on the network today, which is pretty incredible. You can wow. think of that as 300 million 1080p high definition movies or 3,500 Wikipedias or maybe a hundred times the Netflix archive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and what's interesting about that is that there's far more storage that is trying to join the Filecoin network than the, our current chain bandwidth will allow. And so there, uh, there exists much more demand than um, the Filecoin blockchain was able to, to handle uh, previously. Mm -hmm. We are launching um, a really important innovation. We're calling it Hyperdrive. And this goes live in about, uh, you know, sometime in June in, in two to three weeks. And this will allow the storage onboarding rate of Filecoin to increase by 10 to 25 times what it is today. And so the amount of storage that could conceivably go onto Filecoin will increase absolutely dramatically. Already we're the largest, you know, cloud storage, decentralized cloud storage provider, mm -hmm. but that may increase at a far higher rate in the future. Um, so that's kind of like the supply side and, and some of the proofs basically enable that kind of growth. Right. On, on the demand side, I really do feel like we have an absolutely thriving ecosystem. And part of that is, is really be, uh, because of what you mentioned earlier, that IPFS started in 2013 and built an incredible community of applications and developers and use cases for, for many, many years before Filecoin came on. And of course, Filecoin is just an extension of IPFS. And so we were able to benefit from that ecosystem. So there are over 150 professional applications, you know, to do all sorts of use cases on Filecoin today. We run hackathons and accelerator programs and have ecosystem capital. And so 250, you know, additional projects are entering the space with their own unique use cases and angles. And we think that'll increase, you know, substantially over the course of 2021. And so that ecosystem is is really really critical, um, and what we believe will you know differentiate Filecoin in the future, uh, you know across bull and bear markets. Um, right. You know that that's really what's going to provide a lot of value. So, when we're talking about your timeline, uh, you mentioned that obviously, and especially I said in the beginning that you know this is starting back around 2013 and 14. I believe Mainnet launched on uh, block uh, 148,888, which was around October 15th of 2020, give or take. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us about now that it's launched, you know, we've gotten to that point of mainnet, which is not easy. Um, you know, anyone who's obviously done it has realizes that, you know, getting from a testnet to a mainnet, especially with the size and scope of what Filecoin is aiming to do is not easy. Now that it's at mainnet and you alluded to hyperdrive, talk to us a little bit about some of the things that, you know, we should be looking out for over the course of the next six to 12 to 18 months, aside from hyperdrive, you know, are there improvements to things like governance? You know, I've noticed obviously governance is something uh, that I'd like to be able to better understand with Filecoin. What is the governance procedure there as we're moving to more of a DAO kind of approach across the board? Are we looking or is Filecoin looking to move to more of a DAO type of model any of those types of things that you know we've seen from decentralized finance or NFTs that have kind of uh, maybe started to make their way into Filecoin's uh, mechanisms. Sure. Yeah. So there, there's actually um, four different Filecoin implementations that exist. Uh, Protocol Labs works on one of them called Lotus, uh, but three external uh, organizations uh, work on three others. Uh, Venus is uh, run by IPFS Force and it's written in Go. Uh, Forest is run by Chainsafe, and that's written in uh, Rust. And uh, Fuhan is written by uh, Soramitsu, and that's written in C++. So really, the governance um, for Filecoin is both, you know, um, when you want to make a change to Filecoin, you submit a Filecoin improvement proposal, or what we call a FIP, to, Mm -hmm. to an open repo. The community comments and engages with it. And the implementers together look at those Filecoin improvement proposals and decides what's best for the network in conjunction with the miners, uh, ecosystem partners, and the client. So it's a pretty open process. In fact, we've done um, some, you know, pretty good innovations where where miners vote on specific proposals with public polling tools, depending on how much you know how much storage they have on Filecoin as as kind of a proxy for their you know, their, uh, the percentage that each vote should count for. Mm-hmm. And so it's a completely open process. And, uh, and you know, Protocol Apps is just one of many, many firms that, like, engages there. Now, when you look forward, you know, of course, Hyperdrive's a big innovation with, um, with how fast the blockchain will scale and how much more storage will be added. But we have a pretty proactive ecosystem growth strategy. Right. And uh, with your permission, I'd love to maybe hit a few points on there on what, you know, the community should start looking for, looking forward to in the future. Absolutely. Great. So there's two, there's two or three main approaches. So um, the community is first focused on what we call ecosystem multipliers. So these are new use cases, bridges to other Web3 ecosystems or bridges to Web3, Web2 use cases that are going to become really valuable. And I'll list a few examples of what we've done uh, or what the community has done historically. So um, Filecoin, unlike some of the block, uh, uh, really interoperates with many of the other blockchains, right? And so it's not really Filecoin or something else. It's usually, you know, decentralized application on Ethereum using IPFS and Filecoin. Same thing with Polkadot or uh, or near or something else, right? Mm-hmm. And so the first priority is to really integrate Filecoin to make it easy for any other blockchain to use Filecoin as their storage layer. 
Um, we've worked with Consensus to bridge the Ethereum and Filecoin ecosystems. We've worked with Chainlink to, to bridge Oracles, uh, Near, um, and many, many others that will be announced over the, over the coming months. And so by the end of the year, I really do think Filecoin will be interoperable with all blockchains that exist. Okay. Two, um, we've made, really focused on Web2 use cases um, and the verifiable and cost-efficient aspects of Filecoin make that really attractive. For example, uh, the Shoah Foundation has uh, put on video testimony from genocide survivors around the world, 55,000 of them, about 10 petabytes of data onto Filecoin, both because it's cost-effective, but also because they're verifiable. You can trace those videos back to the original source and, and kind of obfuscate anything that's trying to be a fake video in this in this ecosystem. And they did the same thing with uh, photos from the Capitol riots uh, in, in Washington, DC. They posted those photos and you can trace that back to the exact me metadata on where that photo was taken. So you know it's real. I want to stop you there for um, a second. This is something really, really, really important. Uh, not to kind of, you know, borrow from, you know, Larry David, you know, kind of, you know, the pretty, pretty, pretty good. Really, really, really important here. This idea, and I think you will talk about it publicly, is content persistence. And I think that's what that's you're right. alluding to on this. Just please delve into that a little bit more because it's a, I think it's a topic that many people don't appreciate. And so this, you were going into it, but this idea of content persistence. So just, you know, keep going on that theme and that, and that, that thread, but this is, I want people to be aware that there is a, there is a thematic and Filecoin has been at the forefront of this of content persistence where day in and day out, we're flooded with things on the web, whether it's on social media, whether it's on websites, whether it's on YouTube. And then because human psychology, especially with everything on demand these days, in two days, we forget about it. Whether that's a you know a shooting at a school, whether that's a protest in a sovereign nation, whether that's even something beautiful and good that's happened in the world that many people just don't seem to be talking about, it goes away after two days, or it just escapes our kind of our front-facing kind of you know peripheral. So this idea of content mm -hmm. persistence, please keep going with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, you know, this is one of the main reasons why IPFS and Filecoin have been so popular with NFTs, for example, right? Um, and there's two main primitives that that I'll um that I'll hit on here. One is around content addressing. So when you upload data to IPFS or NFT.storage, that's a service that many NFT marketplaces use to mint NFTs. Um, that content receives an IPFS hash of the content known as a CID. And that is a unique fingerprint of that data. It cannot be, it cannot be tampered with. If you change even one pixel on an image or one byte of a data, that content identifier will change. And so you know that that data that you've uploaded forever will always be that same data that you've uploaded. And that's a really unique property of IPFS and Filecoin that traditional Web2 cloud storage does, does not have today. And that brings a whole, you know, it eliminates a lot of fragility or rug pulls, you know, into content on, on the web. And then two is around, you know, provable persistent storage. And so when you put something uh, like an IPFS content hash or an FT or a piece of content on Filecoin, that is really a long-term um, play where you can, you know, have multiple decentralized uh, cloud storage providers 
verifiably store that data over a, over an extremely long period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if any one of those goes away, another one can pick it up very easily. And so you're not no longer relying on one central party with not only to store your data, period, but also how that data is used, right? Um, and so the the by having content addressing and a permanence layer to your data, that that's a huge innovation that I think is starting to attract a lot of folks from Web three, but also from Web two to use this kind of system. Right. So again, I would encourage everyone to Google this idea of content persistence as it relates to Filecoin. We try to make this show about 30 to 35 minutes, so I can go on and on with Colin about this because I think it's fascinating and there's lots to it. And uh, I highly encourage you all to you know research more about it. You know, As I said, search for it. And interesting enough, when you actually run that Google search, if that's what you are using, this is one of the things that you do not realize is that there's about seven or eight different processes going you know, under the hood right there when you're actually running a Google search. And one of them is actually file storage. And so this is in the grander scheme of things when Colin keeps on saying the term Web3, when we talk about how we can create a new decentralized and distributed internet, when we talk about new searching paradigms that do not mine your digital footprint, Filecoin is part of that story. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about that. I want to shift gears very quickly and talk about some of the use cases. I'm curious. I saw something about Video Coin HQ using Filecoin. And it appears that movies and things of streaming nature could be the next frontier. This is just amazing to me that a distributed and decentralized storage facility can actually now host and stream movies. How far, you know, in the last two years have things gotten? Because I remember, you know, two or three years ago when file storage was just starting to become a thing in decentralized world where it was pretty slow, <laughs> just to be fair. It was, you know, everything was still being built. You still had validators. You still had nodes coming on. Things were not as efficient as they are obviously today. You know, is the future, you know, effectively really a distributed and decentralized version of Netflix out there and you guys being a part of it? Yeah, we we think video and audio are going to pr- are proved to be extremely valuable use cases on decentralized storage. And so we've you know been working with VideoCoin on one implementation. They've been doing video NFTs on Filecoin. We've been working with LivePeer on another one uh, where uh, where you can easily transcode video, store and retrieve it using both LivePeer and and Filecoin together. Uh, and if you haven't tried Audius, this is, um, you know, a, a really amazing music streaming service, kind of akin to Spotify, but with some really unique Web3 properties. And that uses IPFS. And, and you probably couldn't tell that it was using decentralized tech. So that that's probably the most exciting part to me is that we're moving in this particular moment from a world where... Uh, crypto and the decentralized web tech was really just used by early adopters and developers to applications that are based on decentralized tech that benefit from its properties, but that the average consumer may not even know that it is based on decentralized tech. And so we're in a moment where I I think we're crossing the chasm, uh, where applications are just becoming 
you know, much more mainstream for that reason. And so, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll list a couple other examples in the video category that might Please. be interesting. If you try Huddle A1, that's video conferencing software that is based on IPFS and Filecoin. And so you can, you know, use it just like Zoom, which is absolutely incredible and particularly works well in emerging markets where bandwidth is particularly low um, for a lot of the reasons we covered earlier in this, in this call. Um, if you want to try just like a quick, implementation of live peer plus filecoin try file.video you can just upload any kind of clip and it would automatically uh, transcode it and store it on decentralized tech you know using uh live peer ipfs and filecoin and then it, video coin is coming up with a whole host of solutions around video nfts and other video that will allow for streaming and and all sorts of live things and if we can crack that i mean video is like 60% of the internet today right. um you know we can really cross the chasm to some major use cases that uh, that everyone can touch that's fantastic yeah, it's every day people are always asking, well, what's, you know, what's being built? What's the new frontier? What's 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 there to think about in the next six to 12 months, especially after the last few weeks where people, you know, with good old price of Bitcoin, you know, hovering and, you know, doing its thing. People are thinking, you know, of the future. And I think this is a great conversation because, you know, over the last few years, you and the team over there at Protocol Labs have been building out the future and it's starting to become much more of a reality today than it has been over the last few years. And so video is definitely, as you alluded to, probably one of the biggest places there. You know, I really appreciate you coming on, Colin. What we would love to do just at the end, you know, there's always a search for more content to reach, you know, to find out more, to learn more. Where can people out there who are listening to the show right now go? Where's the best place? Is it your blogs? Just give some people some places so they can go so they can learn a little bit more. Yeah, the, the Filecoin blog and our newsletter um, is a great source of information. So if you sign up for our newsletter um, and go to our, our blog at filecoin.io slash blog, there's lots of great content on what's going on. Um, we are hosting uh, a tremendous amount of hackathons every month. And so I think 10,000 developers over the last three months have participated in hackathons on top of IPFS or Filecoin. So if you're a developer, I would highly encourage you to check some of those out. We just hosted what we call Web3 Weekend, led by ETH Global this past weekend, where it was an entry to IPFS Filecoin and a whole bunch of decentralized tech. And so even if you're an early stage developer, there, there's hackathons for all phases. And if you're uh, if you're a business or a project looking to become a business, we are launching uh, five accelerators um, in 2021. Two demo days have already been complete, where you get seed capital, three months of mentorship from really amazing folks, um, and an opportunity to participate in demo day to, to attract ecosystem capital and and other venture capital. And so, if you're an entrepreneur, a developer looking to build a massive business on top of Web3 tech, please reach out to us. We have tons of opportunities for you to participate here and a lot of a lot of capital in the ecosystem that is chasing really good ideas. That's great. Again, this was Colin Everin, Ecosystem Lead at Protocol Labs. What a great conversation, Colin. Thank you for coming on. Hopefully we can catch up with you again in a few months and see how things are progressing on your side. Fantastic. Really appreciate this, David. I have a, had a lot of fun and, and looking forward to the next one. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. 
and let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn and I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.